Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. Um, we're going to be reading the entire Bible today, um, so just be prepared for that. Uh, I hope you don't have any, a lot going on. Um, so today is Earth Day. Did anybody know that? Anybody know today was Earth Day? So today is Earth Day, and in Cafe, we normally start with a joke. So in reverence of Earth Day, and uh, just to give you guys a little piece of the fun that we have in Cafe, uh, I heard a story about a gentleman that went into a coffee shop. This coffee shop, he went and got him a cup of coffee, and he sat down and was taking a couple sips, and all of a sudden he said, waiter, this coffee tastes like dirt. And the waiter said, yes, sir, it's fresh ground. <laughs> yes, sir, fresh ground. Y'all take that. Y'all run with that. Just, you can go wherever you need to go with that. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. So one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. Were they from Logan County? <laughs> Jethro. The priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement through the bush. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? Still sounds like Logan County. That's amazing. I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of a bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Let's fast forward to verse 13. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell him? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you to me. Has sent me to you, excuse me. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of, the an of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So if you all were here a couple of years ago, um, whenever I preached one Sunday night, uh, you'll know that I preached this passage, and um, instead of jumping to this portion, I actually skimmed over this portion. I preached everything in this little section except for uh, what we're talking about today, uh, because there's, there's so much in these statements, there's so much in, in who God is and what he calls himself, uh, and I, I wasn't prepared to do that at this time, and um, it's actually pretty funny because whenever I, I first talked to Kenton uh, about speaking at the summit, and, and uh, <laughs> you could tell that he was terrified. He was absolutely petrified because he didn't have a clue what I was going to say until right now. And uh, per his own words, he is a control freak, and he doesn't like uh, not being on a script. So uh, I hope I'm doing okay so far. About 25 words in, so far so good. Um, but uh, to make Kenton feel better, 
and to uh, keep myself on track, I, I, I do have a script. And we've got some lights on me now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm sorry I don't look any better, guys. <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me. But I do have a script here, and so forgive me if I, if I read a little bit, but I do want to get this right. Um, but he, he told me that we were going to preach on and we are going to teach on this, this message or on this, uh, this song of God Help Me by Plum and what you just heard in the video. And I, I don't know if you already know, but we divided up into sections. And, you know, some people got the verses and, and I, got the, I got the chorus. I got the catchy part. I got the, the part that you remember first. I, I got the part that uh, annoyingly usually sticks in your head and, and you can't get it out. So clearly you can tell why they, they suggested that I take this part. That was funny. That was, that was, that was a joke. <laughs> so it, it definitely makes sense that I have this. And, and, and the chorus is also the repeated portion. So it's that part in the song that, that constantly repeats. It's the, it's the central theme of the song. Well, the central theme of the Bible is the gospel. Can I say, can we say amen on that one? That's good. The, the central theme of the Bible is the gospel, and the gospel is the love of God becoming flesh and dying for our sins. The central theme of the Bible is Jesus. As we look through all the scripture, we see God working in people's lives and beckoning them to come to him. And I was tempted to quote the uh, Oral Roberts video where he goes through every book of the Bible and, and tells you where Jesus is or who Jesus is in each book of the Bible, but, but I'll refrain. And you know, that word refrain is actually pretty unique because the way I use it means to keep from or to, to, to not do something or to, to, to stay away from, but it also has a noun version. So that was the verb tense. It has a, it has a noun tense and what that tense is is the line or lines in a poem or a song that are repeated refrain is the chorus the chorus and i think it's amazing how one word can mean different things depending on how or where that you use them and and i'm excited to tell you today that there's two versions of god there's two parts to god there's the noun version that is god the father god the heavenly father and then there's the verb tense of God that is Jesus. God in action is Jesus. The action of God is Jesus. And in the, in the first verse of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And words have to be spoken. And when God speaks, stuff happens. When God speaks, Things come into existence, the world comes into existence, rivers flow, mountains rise, and lives are changed. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's thoughts. Y'all, this is just the introduction. So in Exodus, where we read, we hear Moses asking God, who are you? What is your name? What should people call you? How can I refer to you? And he says... I am. You know, it's funny because a lot of scholars actually believe that this is Jesus speaking because it's the words of God. This is Jesus speaking through the burning bush. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Y'all, y'all hold on to that for a minute. But God says, if you want to know who I am, tell them I am. The noun version of God is saying to understand me, to know all that makes me God, you must understand the entire universe and beyond because that is what, who, how, why, and when I am. 
I am. The noun version of God is I am. We're just getting started. This is good. Hit the first slide. So let's look, in, let's look at this song. So the song says, help me to move. Help me to see. Help me to do whatever you would ask of me. It sounds kind of like Dr. Seuss right now, don't I? Help me to go. Help me to stay. Hit the next one. I'm feeling so alone here, and I know that you're faithful, but I can barely breathe. God, help me. And I, I want to take a second right here to really thank Kitten, because, and, and whoever else was, was part of the preparation here, because I think that what we have captured is the heart of all people, not just Christians and not just unbelievers, but truly all people. Because how often and how many times is this what we're crying out? Is this what we're speaking? Is that, you know, God, help me to understand what you know, or not even to God, but help me to know where to go. Help me to know what to do. Help me to know if I'm seeing the good things or the bad things in my situation. And I'm incredibly lonely. I'm in this situation to where I don't know what's going on and I don't understand. But whenever you think about the fact that this is aimed at God, we bring up so much more. There's so much more to these words whenever we're thinking about them being prayed towards God, because we can think about things like God's will. What's his plan? for our lives. We can think about what he wants us to do. And God, help me to stay in this storm because I know you're teaching me about you. Help me to go across the street and tell my neighbor about you. Each of these help me statements is followed by a verb. You'll see where I'm going. Y'all got it already. Y'all got this figured out. Help me to do something. And in order to understand that, we've got to look at the verb tense of God and the way that he can work through us in each of these. So my, my small group, small group I have on Sunday night, we've been going through the book of John and kind of doing a slow roll through the book of John. And we've been studying this for a long time, and uh, you all get the, the benefit of that. And in John, Jesus makes seven I am statements. He makes seven I am statements. How? incredible is that that Jesus the flesh of God is using the exact same term that God used for himself are y'all with me yet are y'all with me yet I am statements go to the next slide so these seven I am statements are I'm not rushing you the first is I'm the bread of life in John 6 35 I'm the light of the world in John 8, 12. I'm the gate in 10, 9. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. One more. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Each of these statements tells us something about the identity of Christ and the character of God. In these seven passages, God personalizes his original I am statements. Lisa Turkhurst speaks of the original I am statements this way. It says, it was so completely full that it needed no qualifier. It was the promise that his presence was everything we needed. It was all peace, all provision, all perfection, and all protection. Hallelujah. Can we take a second there? That was his promise given. But our hearts were designed his completion, but also his I'm still alive. Here we go. We needed his promise and his presence to be personalized. Hallelujah. 
This is why we see the human side of Christ so many times, him crying, him hungry, him fearful, because go to the next one. God wanted us to have a powerful Savior and a personal one. Hallelujah. Can y'all, y'all with me here? God wanted us to have not only a powerful Savior, but a personal one. When you look at, at Christ being, um, whenever he was tempted by the devil, all the things that the devil pushed on him or asked him to do, he was capable of. But if he flew off the temple mount or if he turned the, the stones into bread, he would have been an all-powerful Savior, but not a personal one. Oh, man, that's good. If you notice, the song has hints of praise and some obvious valleys. The writer realizes that what she says and who she is saying it to is the same at the highest peaks and at the lowest pits. And the 16th chapter of John says that Christ has overcome the world. It's overcome the world. That includes the mountains and the valleys. That includes the good times and the bad times. Christ has conquered it all. All things Christ has conquered. And if your prayer today is, God, help me to move, Christ says, I am the way. He says, I am the way. Move toward him because he is the way toward truth and life. God, help me to see I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, and he will light what you should see and keep in darkness what you shouldn't. While you are here, I want to touch base on a point that I've been really thinking about for years. So uh, a scripture that we talk about a lot when it comes to light, whenever we see light, we use this, this scripture. It's in Psalms 109. It's verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. We hear this in songs, we see it in posters, we see it everywhere. This is one of the most common verses that we all notice. But I want you to keep in mind and see here that there are two distinct pictures, two very distinct pictures in this verse. It says, a lamp unto my feet. Because sometimes we don't get the whole picture. Sometimes we can only see what is right in front of us, the very next step, and we not know, may not know the final destination, but God displays what we need when we need it. Y'all, I'm fired up. When he does show us the big, I'm breaking up, back, back. And when he does show us the bigger picture, he only illuminates the path and not everything around it. He doesn't shine his light on other parts, other paths that we could take, only the one that we should take. And lastly, notice that the scripture says, your word, your word. And you already know where I'm going with this. Jesus is the verb tense of God. He is the word, and Jesus is lighting the way. Help me to do whatever you would ask of me. Christ says, I am the good shepherd. Not just the shepherd, but that he's the good shepherd. So not only will he lead you to your destination, lead you on the way, but he'll get you there safely because he's a good shepherd. Help me to go. Help me to go. Christ says, I am the bread of life. If you decide to go on a mission trip, plan a church, or just go tell someone about Christ, understand that he is the nourishment. He is the lifeblood that will carry you through. Now, listen, I struggle with mission trips. Y'all saw my picture up here, and y'all saw me in, in Nicaragua. But I struggle because I want to make them all about me. 
I want my social media page covered with pictures of pure devastation and me all up in the middle of it. I want people to ask me what I did and how hard it was. I want to come home with my chest puffed out because I am good. When all the while, God gave me the ability and strength and God prepared the way and God placed his blessing on me on the moments and situations that we experience there because he is the bread of life. He is the nourishment to get us through. Help me to stay. This may be the hardest part for all of us because as soon as we come up out of the baptismal pool, the first thing that people say is, all right, we gotta, we gotta get you to work. We gotta get you to work. We gotta get you moving. And we hear people talk about going on mission trips. We hear people talking about planting churches and we hear people do, doing all of these things. And we're like, man, I, I got to get moving. I got to get going. But sometimes God wants us to stay wants us to stay and he says I am the true vine I am the true vine and if you stay here you will be connected to the most nutritious and blossoming plant in the universe everything you need and require is connected to this vine and that's what he says I am so up to this point in the course it's been it's been pretty easy. It's been pretty PG, you know, God help me do this, help me to help me make this happen. It's it's been pretty pretty simple. But then we switch to the lonely part. We switch to that suffocating feeling of everything that's going around, everything that's happening in this world that's crushing the life and the breath out of us. Can we can barely breathe? I bounced around a little bit from the Old Testament to the New Testament from Exodus to John. And, and I think it's important to notice that the separation between Malachi and Matthew is about 400 years. So we've got all of the Old Testament that God is moving, God is telling, he is, he, he's working through his people. But we get to Malachi and everything stops. This silence of God for 400 years. And we see the laws change and we see everyone thinking different ways, but this silence of 400 years, is that where you're sitting at right now? Are you feeling this deafening silence from God that you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, and you don't know how to, who to look to? Is there this silence that's about to make your ears explode? Do you know what God's answer to the silence was? Do you know how God responded to 400 years, four centuries of nothing? He responded with cries. Y'all, wake up. He responded with Christ. God gave his word to end the silence. That's good gave his word to end the silence. He sent a road map to show us the way God's love in action. He didn't forget about them all those years ago and he hasn't forgotten us now. Can you imagine if we took the verb tense 
of being Jesus seriously? Can you imagine if we took Jesus as a verb seriously? Can you fathom the revolution we could see if we released the love of Jesus on this world? We could see lives turned around. Hit the next slide. If we could see the love of Christ turn lives around. I'm not talking about some Ron Paul revolution. Not talking about some change in in our mindset. I'm talking about a true love revolution. Can I preach this today? For those of you that don't know me, my name's Caleb. And when most Christians think about the name Caleb, we think about Joshua and the 12 spies that, that were sent to scout out the promised land. And we probably think about faithfulness and we think about courage and, uh, and, and we think about Caleb and Joshua being the only two to enter into the promised land. <laughs> but did you know that the meaning of my name is dog? Did y'all know that? I, I thank you for finding my struggle funny. The meaning of my name is literally dog. Now, if it was black lab, if that's what that means, then my wife would just be incredibly excited. For those of you who don't know, we have a black lab dog. But the meaning of my name is dog. And I'm wondering what the world is telling you who you are today. I'm curious to know what classification have you allowed everyone else to give to you? What past offense, what sin or what wrongdoing are you not allowing yourself to forget? What are you even calling yourself because you don't realize your own value? Dog. (laughs) But you know, if you flip around the letters of dog, You get God. And maybe it's time you let Christ dictate your value. Maybe it's time you let Christ reframe your view of the world. Maybe it's time you let Christ turn your life around so that all of you points to God. Let's pray. God, you are. Your name is I am. You called yourself I am. There's no beginning. There's no end. There's no start, no finish. God, you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. That I am holds everything together. Christ, I'm so thankful for your son and for who you are, for personalizing your love to me, for personalizing your love for us because you sent your son for me. You sent him so that we could know your identity. We could have this hope and have this communion with you, God, and that we can know who you are because your word says who you are, God. Help us to no longer see ourselves as the world sees us and as everyone else tries to classify us by one thing or another. God, allow us to see us as you see us and allow your life to turn our lives around, God. Turn us around.
God, give us the power and give us the strength to set this world ablaze with your love, to create a revolution of love so that it can be so large that only you can take the credit for it. God, I thank you for who you are, for what you are, and what you continue to be. Allow us to take seriously your son as an action, as a verb, as a God that moves and a God that speaks. Speak to us today. Amen. We all stand. So I know Rod's going to sing, and I know it's going to be lovely. But I really want you to think about this situation right now. This is a, a deacon-led summit. This is a, a revival of sorts. And I don't know if you are spiritually dead today, but that's what that word means, to, to revive us, to put life back into us. We sang that song, Oh, oh Come to the Altar. And you have an opportunity to truly respond right now. You have an opportunity to come to this altar again and to allow Christ to turn your life around. Will you come?